You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. Hey, hey, happy Thursday. We are inching closer to a weekend where we will have actual football games that matter on our television. Some final preseason games for the NFL later tonight. This is Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app series, XM Channel 80. She is Courtney Cronin. I am Chris Button. We are filling in for Spain and Fitz for the next two hours. ESPN Radio presented by Progressive Insurance. Courtney, how are we feeling that we're going to be sitting here maybe next week talking about actual football games instead of just talking, talking about football games that will happen? Week one upon us, and it's crazy because, like, this time next week, the rosters will be set with 53 and then the practice squad. So two weeks from tonight, we will be looking at the Rams season opener against the Buffalo Bills, and I imagine all next week that's all we'll be talking about. So mercifully, the preseason ends. Uh, we've got a couple games coming up tonight through Sunday, and then on to real football. And I know that you've got college football right on uh, tap two, week zero this week, and then week one coming up next week. So exciting times for all of us. We are inching closer. Yeah, week zero, kind of like a soft opening for a restaurant, just like a couple games on the slate to get you prepared for really for week one. I got to think coaches and owners uh, would like the season to get here because more injury news just continues to come out. And today it was announced Tyron Smith suffered a torn hamstring in practice. It's going to keep him out in most of the regular season until at least December. Uh, It was on a running play. He walked to the locker room, but initial tests indicated the ACL in his left knee was – intact but the hamstring basically tore off the bone and that is Courtney for a O-line that they had already lost several pieces from last year that was already struggling particularly with injuries and penalties this was a huge hit for their left tackle to go down for the Cowboys it's it's so monumental and usually we don't see one singular player outside of a quarterback that has as big of an effect on the production and the operation of the offense, uh, really. I mean, you just don't see that happen, specifically with offensive linemen, but the stats that have come out just about Tyron Smith's impact for the Dallas Cowboys and what it means now that he is not there and this gruesome injury. I know that you and I were chatting before the show started and just how awful that hamstring being torn off the bone, how gruesome that sounds. And the fact is he could be back by the end of November. Like, just the thought of that alone is insane, but you have to think about what he means to this offense. It's an offense that has a young offensive line with a lot of inexperienced players. Like there's a reason that they drafted Tyler Smith earlier this offseason because eventually they thought that that could be Tyron Smith's replacement. And on top of that, too, I mean, they've lost receivers to free agency, to injury. Like all of this stuff is coming out and just like mounting on top of each other for the Dallas Cowboys, who this entire time said, it's fine. We will be fine. We still think that we're going to win the East. Like an injury like this and just the catastrophic nature of what it means for the offensive line, which got a lot of criticism last year in Dallas, not a good sign, not a good sign at all. And already a lot of criticism early in the preseason because they were already racking up the penalties. Uh, Tyler Smith, there was criticism when they took him because of the amount of penalties and holding penalties that he drew when he was at Tulsa. It'll be interesting to see what they do with him. He's been practicing primarily at left guard. Do they move him over into that left tackle spot? Because that was, as you said, the reason that they drafted him. Jerry Jones was on first take, the Cowboys owner. He has more on what it will be like and the significance of losing Tyron Smith. It's a setback. 
Uh, but anybody will tell you one of the things about this game, uh, for the best uh, and really for the opportunity of the unproven, is that, uh, boy, you've got to take what you dealt and go on with it. Uh, we've got some good options here. Uh, we've got a team around him. We've got a defense that's uh, probably as strong as we've had in a lot of years. So we've got a lot of ways not to make up for not having him, but to go on without him. As you said, like a, the, like his significance, if you were to put it into numbers, basically accounts for an entire yard rushing. When Smith's on the field, the rushing is an average of 5.4 yards. When he's off the field, it's 4.3. Uh, speaking of rushing, uh, <laughs> there was a lot of fun had between Stephen A. and Jerry Jones this morning, and uh, Jerry Jones went to bat for Zeke. Here's more on the Cowboys go as Zeke goes. There is no question he was limited. Nobody wanted to say that, but he was very limited. He's in the best shape he's ever been in. Now, it is still a fact. We go as Zeke goes. I know it's a lot on Dak's shoulders, but we go as Zeke goes. He's very capable of being everything we've ever wanted to be. The wild card, though, is the guy that's playing beside him, Pollard. That's right. And so we put Pollard in some plans that with Zeke right. for the defenses to have to work against midweek and be ready to play, then you've got Pollard. We really like where we are running back, but it all starts and stops with Zeke. What do you make, Courtney, of now with the Smith injury and what the Cowboys have, maybe a fully healthy Dak, what do you make of the offense this year? I just feel like this eternal optimism from Jerry Jones is going <laughs> to come up short once again. Like He thinks that this team is built for a playoff run, and fact is they have a lot of injuries they're dealing with. They have personnel that was not – that's not there now that was there last year when they did get to the playoffs and lost in the wild card round. Like I, he's always going to say this stuff and you have to parse through to see what's reality versus what is inflated optimism around a team that hasn't won anything in a very long time. So whether Zeke is, you know, in the best shape of his life, you know, running 15 miles a day and, and, and eating egg whites. Like, I don't care, Chris, like that's the problem with all of this that, yeah. When you have Jerry Jones speak, you have to take it with a grain of salt because everything is always super inflated, super extravagant, and super not the truth and reality of what the situation is. This is somebody who, before Tyron Smith even has had surgery, says, oh, we're projecting him to come back in December. Jerry Jones, are you a doctor? Like, a lot of times coaches won't even project yeah. when they expect somebody back because they don't want to be on the hook for a timeline that may or may not exist, and especially with an injury that did sound as severe as, um, you know, with what's been reported. That stuff, I feel like, sets your team up for failure. Right? Jerry Jones getting in the way of all of this with the comments that he made on Ezekiel Elliott and, you know, and, and just putting the pressure really on this team and on Mike McCarthy to come through – of course, he wants to get a Super Bowl. He's talked about it this summer that, what, he turned 80 or something he's like 79. that? 79. Yeah, he's turning 80. And he wants, you know, I understand wanting to win right now, but I, it, the, the, the motivation tactics, the ones that he uses, actually, I think, do more harm than they do good for this team. Yeah, there's a lot of talking. There's a reason why, like, he's one of the only owners that is available after every football game and he did not mince words today in his support for Mike McCarthy the head coach when I first got the Cowboys they were losing a hundred thousand a day 
had to buy part of them from the government. They had been foreclosed on. Wow. Every minute it was going against you, every minute. When the cricket hit in the morning, you woke your eyes up and you never went to bed at night. Right. It really is that way now. It's now. And I think if there was another person on this planet that I thought I could put in Mike's spot and do a better job of getting us to a Super Bowl this year, he would be here. I mean, this isn't like some high school football team that you're like, oh, I heard all the negativity. I'm going to go will my team to a Super Bowl. This is the NFL. You have to have the pieces, and you don't have a lot of them right now. No, and it's just he's he moves the goalposts too because the comments about I want to win a playoff, I, I want to win a Super Bowl before my birthday, my 80th birthday, and, and everything that was coming up with him this summer and just how obvious it is that Jerry's patience runs out very quickly, and especially with someone like Mike McCarthy where there have been very tangible mistakes with clock management, with in-game decisions, all the stuff that boiled down to why they lost in the wild card game after such a hot start mm-hmm. last season. I don't think Jerry is going to be singing the same tune in a couple months if all of the injuries and situations that the Cowboys are dealing with right now, he can't will those away and just expect that his good faith in this team is going to help them overcome uh, a lot of things that are going wrong for them right now. Especially when a person by the name of Sean Payton is still sitting out there that may want to get back into coaching. All right, arguably the best player in the NFL ended practice in a shocking act that set social media ablaze. We'll explain that next. This is Spain and Fitz, Chris Budden, Courtney Cronin, filling in ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Well, if you haven't been by your phone or your social media account over the last two hours, you are going to miss a lot of tweets about what we are about to talk about. A brawl that broke out in Rams and Bengals joint practice. Spain and Fitz ESPN Radio. She is Courtney Cronin. I am Chris Budden filling in for Spain and Fitz ESPN Radio presented by Progressive Insurance. And the shocking part of this was that it was Aaron Donald, star for the Rams, who is seen swinging his helmet, Courtney, during this brawl. It led to the end of practice and everyone's thinking, A, what in the world? And B, what is going to be the aftermath of this? absolute craziness like if you haven't seen the video again it's like circulating everywhere on social media right now I've seen close-ups and just like still shots of Aaron Donald holding two helmets he's got his own helmet on but he also has two Cincinnati Bengal helmets in his hands how did he got those I have no idea (laughs) but there's this melee that's taking place during joint practice and, and mind you earlier in the day earlier in practice there were a couple skirmishes but nothing serious and I remember turning back to social media and being like, wow, wait, did, did, did somebody just tweet this incorrectly, saying that there was an all-out brawl at the end of practice and then practice got canceled at the end or they called it early? And then you see the video. And yeah, like you think it's an overreaction, and then yes. you're like, no, no, no that, that is was not. That was absolutely not. And, of course, my first thought is, what does the NFL do with Aaron Donald in this situation? Because – He's using the helmet and striking other players with it. And fortunately, nobody else like lost their helmet in the process or, you know, got hurt from this. But it feels like they avoided um, a very serious situation had, you know, Aaron Donald been connecting with someone's actual skull with these helmets. 
So when you start thinking about like other scenarios that you would compare this to in terms of the aftermath and the punishment, and a lot of people brought up Miles Garrett. Now that was in a game and that was throwing a helmet at a guy that was not wearing a helmet. And he ended up being suspended for the rest of the season that ended up being six games. This sounds like this is not in the hands of the NFL. This is in the hands of the team to make the punishment. Do you expect the Rams to do anything? I mean, I can't see how they can't. But, of course, they don't want to lose their best defensive player for the season opener against the Bills or any time beyond that. It's it's really tough because the Rams have been the golden child of the NFL, right? Mm-hmm. Like, they've done everything the right way. They've rehabbed careers. They have somebody who was going to retire and go out one of the best, best at his position ever, and then Aaron Donald comes back this year. So – all of these great glowing storylines around this team. The man of the year. Well, y- yes. You know? It's just like all of In it. Whitworth. And, and now they have to be like, okay, the, we need to punish him because it just feels like you can't let some – you cannot let this be the standard where it's like, well, it was in a joint practice. It wasn't during a game. The other players had their helmets on and Aaron Donald didn't crack anybody's head open. Like, you know, lesson learned. No. I think that they have to do something here, whether it's a fine, whether it's, you know, missing a game. Like, this is not acceptable behavior. And you can speak to the larger issue that joint practices often bring. Like, the thing that I have a problem with, Chris, is that we tell these guys, go hard, but not too hard. Mm -hmm. Play within the confines of football, but don't injure other players. Don't hold on too long uh, because if you're engaged in a block too long, the other player and the other team might get irritated and then might start fighting you on something. Like, I just don't understand how these things are supposed to be clean practices. When we even see skirmishes taking place, inner squad practices during training camp, how are you supposed to – when guys are fighting for jobs and we don't obviously know what was said – on the field to, to lead Aaron Donald to do something like this, but it can have possibly been something very good. Even though these teams just met each other in the Super Bowl eight months, you know, seven months ago, it's, it's just wild to me to think that we expect that they're going to be on their best behavior during these things. When so often the result has not been that case fights always break out. This is, they're just very lucky. They were able to get away with this being not as bad as we thought it could be. Absolutely. I mean, like like you said, we've seen it even in inner squad skirmishes, people fighting each other. Adam Scheffner, ESPN Insider, has more on possible punishment for Aaron Donald. The league's stance is this. Clubs are responsible for overseeing the conduct of their own players at practice, including joint practices between two teams like the one today between the Bengals and the Rams. So any discipline that would be handed down against the Rams defensive tackle, Aaron Donald, would have to come from the Rams themselves. So I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that the Rams are not going to suspend Aaron Donald for their season opening game two weeks from tonight against the Buffalo Bills and that Aaron Donald is expected to play in the regular season opener. I don't think the Rams will take that drastic of an action against their all-world defensive linemen. I well, mean, at the end of the day, maybe they'll pay him, make him pay a fine. But the pro- my problem a becomes... fine, then. Because yeah, if you're my- not gonna if you're not gonna make him miss a game, which of course they, it's like a competitive disadvantage to take your best defensive yeah. player out, but you have to do something. You can't just like give him a slap on the wrist. Like this has to be a pretty hefty fine levied against Aaron Donald for doing something that could have yielded such a like more severe result than what we saw. 
And that becomes my, my issue when we're doling out punishments is that a lot of the time it's on the result. Like if he had hit somebody and that person blacked out or was bleeding or caused harm. And again, we don't know the extent of everything that happened and what led to it. But if it had caused physical harm, there would have been probably an immediate punishment. The NFL would have had a statement. But because someone wasn't, it's like, well, you know, it was just. We Guys being go, dudes, yeah. like, right there on the field, right? That's it's not still acceptable. the act. It's still the same act, whether someone got injured or didn't get injured. And in my opinion, I think the NFL needs to come out with a statement of saying, you need to do something because this is not okay. Yeah, and typically, like Adam was talking about and what we've seen you know, reported is that the NFL oftentimes – yields to the teams when it comes to punishments that occur from fights during joint practices. Oftentimes, you'll see guys get ejected from practices. This happened um, in 2019 when when Kyle Long, who was with the Bears at the time, hit a rookie with his own helmet during a fight. He was just ejected from practice. Well, this ended practice for everyone, (laughs) so I guess that they didn't have that option with Aaron Donald, but the precedent, again, like this is an unprecedented year in a lot of different ways for the NFL. Um, This is beyond what is normal during fights. Like somebody using a helmet to strike somebody as, you know, as a weapon effectively out there. Like that's not safe. That could really have done some damage. And you have to think who's doing that. Like Aaron Donald is a mammoth human being. The strength of that, even with somebody hitting you on the helmet with that, I'm sure probably didn't feel so great. So they've got to do something, in my opinion, in in just like levying some sort of punishment, whether it is a massive, like, you know, monumental fine or whether it truly is game time. We'll see. Uh, The Rams have not come out and said anything. These two teams are supposed to play in a preseason game coming up in just two days. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance, a triple threat of protection with home, auto, and more. Visit Progressive.com. Have NBA Pro-Am events officially become a thing of the past? We'll explain next. This is Spain and Fitz. Chris Bunnan and Courtney Cronin filling in on ESPN Radio. Happy Thursday, everyone. Less than three months since the Oklahoma City Thunder hit Chet Holmgren as their number two overall pick. It is announced he is going to miss the entire season with a foot injury. Chris Bunn and Courtney Cronin filling in on Spain and Fitz. Courtney, what a freak accident this has to be, that you're playing in a pro-am. It's not like – no one was there. I mean, LeBron's playing. You're you're trying to get ready for a season. It's your rookie year. And then you go and you step on LeBron's foot. And now you're going to miss your entire rookie season. I'm wondering moving forward, like, what are NBA teams going to say about their stars that they've invested all this cash in playing so much during the offseason? Yeah, I mean, it's this should not be the end of pro-am leagues as we know it because there's the off-season for guys that, you know, when, once the NBA finals happen, then it's the it's the, the younger guys who don't get to play in the finals and play in the playoffs. They all go to Vegas for summer league. And once summer league's over, there's this weird gap of about 8 weeks where you can't expect these guys to sit still at home or be on a yacht for that long. Like, they want to stay conditioned. They want to be playing, and in most times they're doing it against friends that are on other teams. And these pro-ams have been great for the communities in which they are in. And the one that 
Chet Holmgren was playing in was in Seattle. I have been following tweets of people who have been there, and they said it felt like a real live NBA game hmm. at the Crossover, which is Jamal Crawford's events, uh, three-time six-man of the year. He played in the NBA for 20 seasons. Like This was an event that the NBA – had sanctioned and had had you know given these guys the okay to participate in what what is the problem now and what we're seeing coming out from the Liz Frank injury for Chet Holmgren is that the place where they were playing was not meant for something like this because apparently it's hot in the Pacific Northwest right now so the temperatures are unusually high on top of that at this gym earlier in the day when this had happened somebody pulled the fire alarm and for whatever reason, according to Jamal Crawford's Twitter account, that was why they had to play with the doors closed, which apparently has never happened. And that caused condensation on the floor. There were a couple instances where guys went up to dunk and they slipped. Even Chet Holmgren had pulled up lame on, on something, you know, a wow. play earlier in, in this game. But I've watched the video of him coming down strain you know in not a great way and like under the post he's trying to block LeBron's shot and it didn't look like he slipped it looked like he just landed pretty awkwardly which could have happened in a pro-am game it could have happened in a regular season NBA game I think what this boils down to more than just the pro-am conversation is this is somebody who has durability concerns that was the number one knock on Chet Holmgren coming out of the draft, you know, after all the great things he did at Gonzaga, and now he's going to miss the entire 2022-23 season. And that's really tough for the Oklahoma City Thunder when it felt like finally, two years after winning less than 50 games combined, they were headed in the right direction, and they might be back to the drawing board of, well, how can we tank to get another really good pick uh, this next draft? We're going to have Bobby Marks on at the top of next hour, but he had said that Chet had team permission to play in the event. If he didn't, he would lose his salary for the year and could lose his bonus. So every player that participated got team permission first. To your point, like I don't see this being the end of it, but I do see the NBA saying – we if 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 we're going to allow our guys to play in these things they need to be in arenas that we approve because that's not a even though the injury really had nothing to do with the humidity on the court he just came down awkwardly that could have happened at any given time even if he's you know with his friends playing pickup ball in his backyard but mm-hmm. the nba need like that's not okay to have lebron james and guys playing on a on a seattle court that has condensation on it. Uh, Thunder general manager Sam Presti said this. Certainly we're disappointed for Chet, especially given the excitement about getting on the floor with his teammates this season. We know Chet has a long career ahead of him within our organization and the Oklahoma City community. One of the things that impressed us during the process of selecting Chet was he was determination and focus. We expect the same tenacity will carry him through this period of time as we work together to support him during his rehabilitation. To your point, if this is anyone else, I don't know if the conversation's the same. He's 190 pounds and there was all the discussion about where he would get drafted because of his durability and now you have this Liz Frank injury. Stefania Bell our ESPN injury expert has more on like the timing of this and the severity. Surgical repair is what will happen. And then it's a lengthy recovery. You know, it can be four to six months to get all the way back from it. But the good news is once it's repaired and once you get reconditioned and readapt to the sport, you should be fine going forward. There should not be any lingering issues for him. We don't hear about it as much in basketball. We hear about it much more in football. 
Uh, mm -hmm. Just to give you an example, Travis Etienne, star running back for the Jacksonville Jaguars, missed the entire season last year because he too had an injury before the season started. But he's back and looking great in training camp and ready to go. So Chad Holmgren can take a look at the NFL and be encouraged about okay. some of the guys who've come back from this. So hopefully he has a great rehabilitation process and we see him in a year. But you kind of think that the Thunder are sitting there being like, really? <laughs> really? Yeah, and it's, you know. Thunder fans. Because there was so much momentum building towards them finally getting in the right direction. And I felt like they had a really good draft this year. I felt like the last couple months have been optimistic for the Oklahoma City Thunder. But now you've got to ask yourself, if you're them, like how do we approach this moving beyond Chet Holmgren? Because next year they could be also they could also be looking at another lottery pick if they don't win a lot of games. And where they're at in the West right now, everybody is only getting better. And you don't have this player that you were hoping to pair with, you know, these other stars that you have in your front court. So I I think it speaks to a larger issue right now of making sure that these players are playing in pro-ams that have NBA regulations somehow in, in injected within them. And I know that that's kind of like takes away like the pro-am part of it, right? Like the Drew League happening in Los Angeles and in gyms that, you know, pack people to the brim. And there's so many people watching these games and getting a chance to see LeBron because most, you know, more times than not, this is the only opportunity that people will have. Going to an NBA game is expensive. That's the point of pro-am leagues. I've covered them, you know, throughout my career. It's fun. You get to see, you know, the players of old mix with the players of new, and you never know who's going to show up. And it's fun for fans who don't necessarily have the opportunity to go to NBA games. But now, if, you, if you're the NBA, and of course you have to sign off on these things, otherwise you can get in trouble, they've got to start finding better places for these games to happen. Yeah. This seems like this was a catastrophic injury, which I know Stefania was saying it's only four to six months recovery. I mean, I've seen this in the NFL. Sometimes guys can't plant their foot. Like that, the part of where the Liz Frank, you know, where the injury is, that's, you know, if you're a defensive end and you have that, that can be career ending. Like, especially at certain points of your career, because you can't push off your foot to get after the pass rusher, to get after the quarterback as a pass rusher. I don't know how it is in basketball. She seemed optimistic about it, and, and she obviously knows the ins and outs of it way more than I do. But this just feels like something that could have been prevented if they had better conditions of where they were playing because that ultimately is what led to this. And also, I, I feel like the teams need to say, hey, let's take a pause, Chet. This is the most basketball you've probably ever played when you add postseason for Gonzaga. Summer league. Like, at some and point, the combine guys, stuff, too. Like, yeah. in all the workouts he was probably doing. I mean, he's a, he's a top two pick. He probably went to a ton of teams to do private, individual mm -hmm. workouts. Like, this happens with guys in the NFL. They Once they, you know – they get drafted, but before then, they're going right at the end of their season all the way through April and then going straight into rookie minicamp. It's similar in the NBA, too, because that ends in April, and the draft is three months later. You're conditioning. You're getting ready for you know all your private individual workouts you're doing with teams. All that stuff is wear and tear on your body, and you don't really have a chance to rehab or to give yourself a break until after your rookie season. 
Absolutely. And especially when you look at what happened last NBA season, because of the timing of it, the off season was so much shorter, the amount of injuries that were racked up. So I feel like teams need to like watch out and be like, you know what, it's, it's okay for you not to play in every single thing. You know, take a pause, rehab your body. We're going to start the season here soon. So Chet Holmgren will miss the entirety of the 2022-2023 season with the Oklahoma City Thunder. We've got two NFL preseason games tonight. Courtney's got her coffee already at 6.40 Central time. She's going to stay up for all of it. We'll get you set for both of them next. This is Spain and Fitz. Chris Bunn and Courtney Cronin filling in ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Spain and Fitz, ESPN Radio. Courtney Cronin, Chris Bunn filling in for Sarah and Jason. Courtney, you, you made a cup of coffee. It's almost seven. That's yeah. that's an aggressive caffeine move for it you. It is, and we've got we've got a lot of work going on right now. We're in we're in feature hell, is what we like to call <laughs> that. Um, pre you know the preseason's ending, so all of your big stories that you've been reporting on and working on for for weeks and months, those end up running towards the end of the preseason going into week one. So there's there's a lot at stake, but I um we can go ahead and say that I'm just so excited to stay up for Packers Chiefs and, <laughs> and 49ers Texans. That's what I was wondering, alluding to. Is this for work or because you're excited to see the Packers and not see Aaron Rodgers like we've not seen him every preseason game? Yeah, it's it's interesting because the we've talked so much this week about some teams deciding to play their starters. The team that I cover, the Chicago Bears, are playing their starters through the first, like you know, up until the first half. Which you have to take this on a case by case basis. Where there's a young team here in Chicago, a second year quarterback who's learning a brand new offense. I think you can benefit and at least make the case that they can benefit from the reps. Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, I don't think that they necessarily need that because not only are they seasoned vets who have won Super Bowls, they're in offenses that haven't changed. So it's not like, you know, of course the players have changed, certainly for Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers at receiver, but beyond that, they're in the same scheme that they've been in for for, for a number of years. So I think that they should be okay, Uh, and I'm looking forward to getting to see Jordan Love and what he can do tonight. Now, we will see Tom Brady. Uh, he is going to play in the third preseason game. He has played in previous years in preseason. I mean, this is kind of status quo for Aaron Rodgers. Um, be good, I guess, to get him out there, considering he was away for the team for almost two weeks, whatever he was doing for personal reasons, maybe auditioning for the Mass Singer, which he said was not true. To also want to, like, how does that rumor get out there? But uh, we'll see him out there. Uh, we are also going to see tonight the 49ers and the Texans. And Trey Lance will play uh, not past the second quarter is what they had said. John Lynch had some quotes that came out earlier today about what to expect from Trey Lance this season. I think the fact of the matter is it is going to take some time to see exactly what we have, but um, we do, and and we don't just blindly believe in him. He gives you reason to believe day in, day out, because we believe he's made of the right stuff. That comment made on Tolbert and Copes on KNBR. What did you make of John Lynch, the GM's comments? 
I think you can read into it one of two ways. One, the first one being, well, we had Jimmy Garoppolo the last couple years. He led us to the Super Bowl, and then he led us to the NFC Championship in the two years where he was a full-time starter. And transitioning off of that into someone that you just handed the keys of the franchise to, you really don't know what you have in Trey Lance yet because there is so much unknown considering this guy has not played a lot of football in the last few years. Or you can look into it and just realize that this is preseason fodder, that nobody wants to give away any sort of secrets to the kingdom here, and, you know, that he doesn't want to go ahead and blow smoke up, um, you know, Trey Lance right now. Let him earn it, because he is still very, very young in his career. He played two games as a starter last year, the rest was Garoppolo, and I think that the limited sample size that the 49ers have seen, they're excited about him, but do they really know? Like, You don't want to go ahead and say, we are all in on this guy, expectations are through the roof, and then he doesn't meet them. Like, I feel like that's setting somebody up for failure. So it could be a lot of just kind of keeping things close to the vest. And maybe he has done things in, in, preseason, in preseason camp and closed practices that this team is really excited about and doesn't want people to know about yet. I, to me, I, I read it in two ways. It is managing expectations for the entire fan base for what like you're going to be able to see at a Trey Lance. But at the same time, if you still don't know what you got, like you have put all your chips in on this guy. You are mm-hmm. saying goodbye to a guy that won you some playoff games, and this is the guy. And then the, the way he ends it, because he's made of the right stuff, kind of like to me is a dig at Jimmy G of there were some things that we just we weren't sold on from him. And now he sits there fourth on the depth chart, never going to play, doesn't even apparently have a playbook sitting there like, where am I going to go? And the team that I'm on, like the guy's kind of making what seems like some digs. Yeah, and I – I think that the 49ers are probably still frustrated that they haven't been able to move Jimmy Garoppolo yet and the deadline's ticking before, you know, the guarantees kick in for his contract. Like they the deadline for them is the 30th of August when cut down day happens. So if he's on the 53, they have to guarantee a significant portion of his contract, but it kind of feels like all things are trending in that direction because Cleveland hasn't pulled the strings to get Jimmy Garoppolo, at least not yet. Maybe some teams are just waiting to see what the 49ers do. I could absolutely see that logic, and nobody's desperate enough right now to go and trade for him. But it, it the comments were certainly interesting. And until Jimmy Garoppolo is not there, Chris, we're going to be looking into everything that the team says regarding Trey Lance That's and true. seeing are there any undertones here about the other quarterback that they wanted to move on from. And even last year, like we knew the writing was on the wall that it was no longer Garoppolo's team. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna slightly read into the tone and every single word uh, that you said to try and figure out. Uh, no, I agree. I mean, and I'm doing the same thing. Um, you covered the Bears and the this is the final weekend of the preseason games before they have to cut down to 53. For the guys on the bubble, like how important is this? Because we look at it like, oh, I'm not gonna see Aaron Rodgers, or I might see Tom Brady for like. A couple drives, but for those guys that are sitting there on the cusp of getting cut or making a team, how important uh, is this weekend for those guys? It's huge, and I mean, for these rosters are at 80 across the league by and large. Some have less now. Uh, they have three sets of cuts, so they go from 90 to 85, 85 to 80, and then 80 to 53 on Tuesday. So that's 
a lot of players that they're gonna ha- that they're gonna end up like hitting waivers and, and clearing and, and being free agents to get picked up and signed elsewhere. So if you're somebody, I've always wanted to do a story on a player, which would be hard to do, like because you're admitting I'm about to get cut and I'm going mm-hmm. through the last week of preseason football, knowing that I'm not going to be on this roster. But I always want to know like what's going through their mind as these final games happen, knowing that their opportunity is not currently on the team that they're currently on. It's, 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 you never bank anything on like one preseason game. It's the culmination of practices throughout training camp and performance in preseason games, but multiple preseason games that could either tip you to one side of the bubble or not. Like, for me, looking at this team uh, that I cover, like the receiver group that they have right now, very thin. And they're, I believe, six in the claim order. So they don't have to go as heavy at certain positions because they can put claims in on guys that, that get waived here in the next couple days. But there are other players who are going to get cut who, if you have a good special teams performance, if you just come out and ball out in the third preseason game, you might solidify your chance to make the roster. And somebody tonight um, is Trey Sermon, who's a third-round yeah. pick for the San Francisco 49ers. He's been the subject of, of like players who may or may not be on the 49ers after Tuesday. This is this is a prime scenario to, to be watching for. Like, Can he do enough against the Texans to cement himself on that offense that is loaded at that position and so many others where he's kind of fallen down the depth chart and hasn't maybe had the most of opportunities to take advantage of. Like tonight is one that he absolutely needs to. So if you're wanting to watch a little football, there's two preseason games tonight. It'll be the Packers and the Chiefs, 8 o'clock start, although Aaron Rodgers is not playing. Have we decided if we're sure that we're going to see Patrick Mahomes possibly? Haven't seen anything like firmly cementing that, but uh, we should know here in a couple minutes whether he's going to trot out there for the uh, first half. <laughs> That's coming up in about five minutes, and then the 49ers and Texans in about uh, 20 minutes or so. Trey Lance likely playing for about a half. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. If you're a renter, make sure you're protected. Renter's insurance includes options that cover stolen property, personal injury, and living expenses if your place is damaged. Quote, renter's insurance at Progressive.com. What does Chet Holmgren's injury mean for the future of the Thunder? We'll chat that next. This is Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. You can listen to the show weeknights at 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app.